a reading from the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're just filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. 
In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come, O Spirit, and dwell among us, full of grace and truth. Lead us in your paths. May the words of, our, of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing unto you, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. What's old becomes new. 60 is the new 40. The battle of the millennials versus the silent generation versus Gen X versus the boomers versus Gen Z or the plurals and the mosaics are the title they haven't all been quite given yet. Changing demographics and politics with generally more conservative older blocks and increasingly liberal younger generations. So much so that David Brooks said recently in an opinion piece called The Coming GOP Apocalypse, quote, the generation gap is even more powerful when it comes to Republicans. To put it bluntly, young adults hate them. 
all around us. The world is pinning us against one another. Yesterday versus tomorrow. I've been to Disney's Tomorrowland. Have you ever been to Disney's Yesterdayland? Old versus young. And of course, young is the ideal, at least in this current cultural moment. Sight evidence is the recent Taco Bell commercial where several octogenarians sneak out of their retirement community to go clubbing, perform practical jokes on young neighbors. They make out, or necking for those of you, that term doesn't mean anything. And of course, they eat Taco Bell together at three in the morning, all under the moniker that flashes on the screen, Viva Young. But why Viva Young? Why not Viva your own age and all it entails? Because at least you compromands know that there's a bit of a bias built in society even against you. Sometimes society thinks that you, because you're young, you're less responsible, despite the fact that you have heavier homework loads and activity loads than any previous generation could ever possibly imagine, as well as the psychological anxiety that accompanies it that you know too well. You're perceived as less intelligent by some, despite your exposure and your mastery of digital technology far more than even the so-called fancy millennials. You're seen by some as having little to offer, despite your ability to organize and to start movements like the March for Our Lives in a scale and a speed unlike anyone before you. Sometimes the divide between all of us seems big, but it doesn't have to be that way. And the story of Pentecost proves it. The Pentecost story is one about mixing. There's a rushing wind, and there's tongues of flame resting upon people's heads. Everyone's speaking their own language, each person, even though from different regions, and all the idiosyncrasies that accompany them. They're not forced to step in line. They're all understood as they are in their own language. With their uniqueness. Now, someone who clearly misplaced his tongue of flame and put it somewhere in his gut of anger, accuses that crew of drinking too much. But Peter comes along and says, no, no, it's nine in the morning. You can think that if you want. They're not drunk, but this is the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus promised us in that upper room when we were having dinner, and he's saying that these cups are new covenants, and we weren't understanding what was going on. This is that advocate he promised us. This is God with us, the divine indwelling at all moments of life. Now, people from Europe and Asia Minor and Africa were all there together, and they were understanding one another, need we say again, in their own languages. Not the homogenized language of the empire like English is today, not Greek or Latin of that time, but in the unique flavors of each person shared and fully received, Peter says that, that is when you see the fulfillment of Joel being fulfilled. 
the prophecy of Joel. Joel's a minor prophet in the Old Testament. No one really knows where he came from or who he really is, but he became enough of a person that by the post-exilic Jews, those folks that came back from Babylon, that he was a big name. His message was read often. And he had this prophecy that said God would pour out the Spirit on all flesh and that these would be the signs that this is what's going on. The moon would turn to blood. There would be blood and fire, smoking mist, and then this sign that didn't really hit me until recently. God said, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young shall see visions. And your old will dream dreams. I don't think that idea is necessarily new. The young and elders have been sharing their ideas about how the way the world should be since they were young and elders. But Joel's prophecy suggests that everyone could actually listen to one another. That it could be that the dreams of the elders and the prophecies of the sons and daughters and the visions of the young could be shared, cross-pollinated, implemented, integrated. To me, one of the most powerful signs that we are indeed of the days of God's pouring out of the Spirit is to look at the nuns and the nuns. Now, generally, one doesn't think about Catholic nuns and the nuns, those demographically prescribed, mostly 20s and 30s, who are not attending church or choosing not to describe any religious affiliation at all, this growing demographic in the United States. No one thinks of those two groups, Catholic nuns and those nuns, having common ground. But in California, a new spirit is rising up. It happened first in a pilot residency program called Nuns and Nuns, where millennials and Gen Zers were invited to go live in a convent for six months. It sounds like it could be a really bad MTV reality show. But the real story in the Washington Post is beautiful. As they arrived by Subaru, this young group of activists wanted to figure out how did the nuns live their lives dedicated to service decade after decade? So the first thing that they asked the sisters is, of course, about the vows. The vows about poverty, obedience, and chastity. Sister Harney went and told the other sisters as they met after the first night's meeting that this is what the millennials were asking about, and they chuckled, and they had a really good laugh about all that. She said, quote, millennials were looking at these vows like it's the glue. They were looking for the secret sauce of how we do this. The sisters, the story continues, began to see that the millennials wanted a roadmap for life and ritual rather than a belief system. On one of the first nights, Sister Judy Carl said one of the young people casually asked the sisters, so what's your spiritual practice? That's the first question. Not what do you believe, she said noting that throughout history, the specifics of belief were so important that people fought wars about it. And to me, the, 
the emphasis of the story, the thing that's most important to note is how each of these groups spoke in their native tongues. And yet these nuns and these nuns were able to understand one another. The sisters shared their vows and their beliefs in God while these millennials who were social activists who had gone to other places of radical living were trying to figure out what is the glue that can pull us together, that can sustain us through decades of working for social justice. Part of it was a marriage of practicalities. Nuns are in their average age now, around age 80. Their numbers are dwindling very quickly. But they have prime real estate in the hot job centers of the United States. And they need care. And so the millennials are able to stay there and help care for them. And in exchange, they get extremely low rent compared to downtown San Francisco or Milwaukee or the now dozen different places where this experiment is being repeated. But what's most interesting to me is not just that they have two different kinds of groups of people that are finding a way together in the world, but that they're actually changing one another, that the spirit keeps poking through. The post says that after the experiment was over, Sister Rosano said, one of the challenges of aging is not just to focus down on your aches and pains, she said. And I feel like this called me back again to the bigger vision. And on a simple level, I overcame my fear of talking to younger people. She was afraid. Guys, did you hear that? The nun was afraid of talking to millennials. In the end, the post says, she wrote a haiku about the millennials. Eek! What will I say? I'm too old for millennials. Surprise, we're soulmates. Confermans, you know this story deep in your heart because you've lived it for the past few months in a way. As part of their curriculum, we had them meet with a mentor once a month for the past few months. Some of the mentors they knew, parents of other people, and some of them, the relationships weren't that good. And Confirmand's going to get a head nod at first. Were you insanely scared about that situation? Yeah, there's some fear in that. But if you are anything like the Confirmands that have come before you, you'll tell me in your surveys that that piece was the best, most life-impacting part of Confirmation. Not the classes and the retreat, and I hope you enjoyed those. But over time after time, our students tell us that when they're in real relationship, one-on-one -on -one intimate connection with people of other generations, that it changes them, that it impacts them. And our mentors will tell you the same thing. Now we have something to deal with confirmands. We are some of the youngest people in the room in a tradition, the church, that is, at least in America, continuing to age. There's not many of me, let alone many of you. And there are many of our generations who have just said, this whole thing with the stone walls and the hymns and an organ, who plays an organ outside of church? That it's all just old and worthless. So the thing that sort of sits with us is then to say, how do we discern? 
how do we figure out what of this is worth carrying on? What of this needs to die, its natural death? What of it is the Spirit moving with us? How do we hold all of that together while we're still trying to grow into our full selves? I'd like you, confirmands, if you can hear me, stand up. Turn around and face these beautiful people. Say, hi, church. Happy birthday, church. Take a good look at all of these folks. Because millennials, or my confirmands, I have something to tell you. A lot of them are scared of you. There's some writers who suggest that it would be easier for octogenarians to understand Gen Z if the, the Gen Z had come off of a boat from another continent with a different skin color and speaking a different language because at least then they would anticipate the differences. Confirmands, these are some wonderful, amazing folks who have been through a lot of life. And for whatever reason, they still are here They've seen crazy pastors live through children or friends or tragedies, and that they still show up in these pews and are here today to support you as you say ancient words because they believe in this and they believe in you. I won't make you stare at them all day. You guys can sit down. So the question becomes for us, how do we learn from them? How do you learn from them? How does them no longer become them and become us? There are many folks here who've experienced life and have case studies and stories they can share in ways that won't make you feel like that's what you have to do. So I invite you to hear the stories. I invite you who have stories to tell to find ways we're always looking for ways to share your stories in the news and notes and the bulletin. Your testimony here to a minute for mission, it doesn't just have to be an announcement about another incoming ministry. We want to hear where the Spirit is working in your life. We need one another. I'm not even going to begin to quote the endless research that talks about how folks who are in their 80s, when they spend time with folks that are younger than them, that there are parts of their brains that light up that sometimes haven't lit up for years. How younger people are more resilient after studies where they've spent time with octogenarians, are better able to focus on their homework and do better in a whole list of risk behaviors. The science is clear, the project is before us, the question is can we manage a way to manifest that in our common life? Will it be that the spirit is being poured out upon our church? That our sons and daughters shall prophesy, that our young will see visions, that our old will dream dreams. Saints, confirmands, Congratulations on this amazing day. But may you always know that what comes before you tomorrow is rooted in yesterday. If we can develop a yestermorrow together in faith, Christ will walk us together this day and forevermore. Let us pray.
God for us, we call you Father. God alongside us, we call you Jesus. God within us, we call you Holy Spirit. You are the eternal mystery that enables, enfolds, and enlivens all things, even us and even me. Every name falls short of your goodness and greatness. We can only see who you are and what is. We ask for such perfect seeing as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. <laughs>